There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter. Now, Scottish Edge, as you know, we have invested £20 million in over 500 Scottish businesses since we started. So thanks to the Scottish Government, thanks to RBS, thanks to entrepreneurs like you, Willie. And Lord Willie Hockey. That's fantastic. But I think we should make sure that the listeners know that that £20 million never took any equity off of anybody. Never a penny. Right. So there is help out there for businesses. The Go Radio Business show with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Tom. Morning, Willie. Right, again, another quiet week oh, in politics and business. This is great fun, Willie. Great fun. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, you're always on at me about I'm doom and gloom. Right, so I want to start <laughs> off this morning with a good news story. Good news for Willie. Yeah, brilliant. I read in, in the Herald during the week there that a data centre in Lanarkshire, albeit with Dutch owners, Asante, have got five new sites across the UK. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. Glasgow Scottish-based business expanding during these troubling times. So, I'm going to continue with the good news, Willie. Friend of the show, Sir Boyd Tunnock. So, Tunnock's come out with the results this week and they were sweet and astounding. So, here's some numbers for Tunnock's, Willie. So, in the last year, they've made 604 million individual biscuits. <laughs> I know you're a fan of the Tunnock's TK. I've been offering them. <laughs> and um, revenue was up 27%. Exports were up 50%. And they made a very healthy profit. So, hats off to friend of the show, Sir Boyd. He came here with a police escort yes. when, he, when he came in. So, good on you. Tom, I read that story and I was astounded to see that 90% of his sales are exports. It's unbelievable. Aye. Unbelievable. So, there must be a lot of beast people throughout the globe, you know, <laughs> trying to look like me. <laughs> Oh dear. More, more good news. I see that uh, we've had a couple of academics look at trying to come up with a solution for the, the, the high street, which is in decline, obviously. So they've got a five point vision for some new ideas for how we can, you know, get the high street going again. Okay, so, but is it academics, Willie? I, I need people who know what they're talking about. Well, hopefully, after the, they've put their research together, they will then sit down with retailers. <laughs> right. But listen, we can, we can save them a lot of time. The number one thing they should home in on, it's what everybody brings, is rates. Rates. Right. Okay, that's the killer for the high street. So look, you don't need a 364-page report. What are you going to do? And see on that, with the guest on last week, Jordan, who told us about his expanding and moving into new premises. Right. He's in premises at the moment, which is 8,000 square foot, and he's, his rates are £15,000. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's expanding, which is great news. And he's moving into a new building where it's going to go 42,000 square foot. So five times the size. Right. So you would think, okay, on a rule of thumb, his rates will go from 15 grand to maybe 75. Yep. How's his rates 200 grand in his new premises? Well, I think this is very pertinent, Willie, because in the Westminster budget, there was some help on rates for the high street and businesses. Um, we need to wait until December the 15th, I believe, where John Swinney will stand up as the stand-in finance minister and tell us what's going to happen in Scotland. Are they going to follow the help that Westminster's given or are they going to do something else? I've always said, and I know this will be a bit complicated, but I think you should get a rates reduction based on the amount of people you employ. So if you've got like 10,000 square foot and you only employ 30 people, you know, you're a big tech company, whatever it might be, but if you've got 250 people in the same space, I believe you should get a deduction in your rates for in, for creating so many jobs. I like it, Willie. I like it. So there's a wee, another wee idea for the academics. Tom, <laughs> right. we talked about Bitcoin last week. Oh, right? dear, right. Following on for the bad news about FTX. Now, just to be clear, Willie, you have not invested one penny in Bitcoin, and neither have I. And I breathed a sigh of relief because everybody was at me at the time. Oh, you got to look at this. You got to do this, and it just shows you 
we did go and look at it. Yeah. And my son, who's in the business now, said, come and look at this. But even he, when we sat with the best brains in it, and I said to him, well, what do you think? He said, I'm, I'm no further forward. I don't have a clue what this is. And we didn't do it. So I think, uh, you know, the, the warning to everyone out there is if, if you're looking to invest, especially in a speculative way, make sure it's got solid asset backed, right? It's for me, now with what's happened this week with DCG, and they could be the second to go into administration. Well, there's another one, isn't it? Yes, this oh, week. Right. And again, another large one. So I would just say, everybody out there thinking about it, contemplating it, just tread carefully. You heard it here first. If it looks too good to be true, Willie, it usually is. Damn, touching on politics a wee bit, just for a couple of minutes. Sure. Okay, so obviously with the big ruling this week from the Supreme Court. Yep, I don't right. think anybody was surprised with that, Willie, did you? Well, no, actually they were. Oh, they and were? I can tell you, Tom, the Tories were surprised by it. Oh, right. Because I didn't think they were going to get such a strong ruling. They believed that the the you know, the, the, the best that they could hope for would be this should never have been sent to us. And you know that, so forget it. Okay. To get the ruling that they got so definitive, I think, was a major blow. And I don't think anybody was expecting that so um, but it'll be interesting to see where we go from here on that one well I mean you know my view um, there will be a time for another vote on independence but it's not now we've got a health crisis the NHS is really, crisis. really struggling Willie. we've got an economic crisis we've got teachers in strike um, Scotland used to be the envy of the world for our education don't think it is anymore mm. so we've got other priorities for Scotland I certainly have I yep. don't know about the rest of the country okay sticking on politics um, we have to congratulate a friend of the show Anasawa big friend of yours Willie yes yes congratulations on being voted politician of the year did you vote for him Willie now uh, I don't have a vote, oh, you don't have a vote or I would have okay. I would have okay but um, I'm happy with Anis but maybe with what Keir Stammers had to say this week maybe I shouldn't be happy with him so look, will it just be Willie Hockey because he wants to abolish the House of Lords Willie well if somebody that has never received a penny for being in the House of Lords or never claimed a penny to be fair, I wouldn't be crying right, if anybody wanted to abolish the House of Lords, right? But but what I would say is, just the point you've just made about the Supreme Court ruling, I think the bigger things, I, I would have been more impressed if he was talking about the problem we have with housing rather than closing the House of Lords. Yeah, I mean, I've always saw the House of Lords, and of, of course, you know, hereditary peerages I don't agree with because... Yeah. How do you know your son or daughter's going to be up to it? Yes. But people that you get into the House of Lords, I think, adds to it. It it gives rigour to policy that has to come to the to the upper house. And um, but you know, I suppose it's something we've got to worry about. I think there's bigger things, really. Yeah. I think so. And I think there's that, you know, obviously this week, you know, where we've had the ruling, Scotland's obviously going to be, you know, making a big decision in the next few weeks in relation to our own budget, you know, what's going to happen in Scotland. I think there's just bigger things that you keep making this point. Let's talk about the big things. Let's concentrate on the big things and we'll get to the smaller things later. And here is a big thing, Willie. And this is where I would disagree with the Scottish politician of the year, your pal. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, right. So, the NHS came up this week, and you might say, right, what's this relevant to business? Well, I, I think it does have a relevance to business. This is this is probably the largest employer um, in Scotland. I think it's the third largest employer, the whole of the NHS, behind the Chinese army. And so, <laughs> so lots. <laughs> Maybe not. But... Um, there was talk this week about a two-tier system. Should it be private, some of it? Should it be always be public? And here's my point of view on it, Willie. And um, 39,000 patients last year were treated in Scotland privately. And Anna said that was terrible. So I disagree with them. I think the customer is making a choice here. And here's a statement which I really did take exception to. NHS leaders are entitled to discuss what they want, but they do not make government policy. That was our First Minister. 
So that, to me, is a politician saying that politicians know best, not the people who are working there, not the people who are trying to deliver the service every day, and we should put the customer first. What's best for the customer? And this is such a sacrosanct political football. It's a jaggy netto, and nobody's willing to say, well, hang on a minute, it's not delivering just now. And surely to goodness, from a business point of view, Willie, we would be saying what's best for the customer and then create a strategy. We wouldn't just leave it for politicians to, to decide what's best. What do you think? Well, I think it's a good point, especially this week when there's been this suggestion of the two-tier system, you know, that people way more could pay more. And I'm glad you brought this up because this I can never understand, right? I don't know how, why people have a go at individuals and politicians because they decide to send their children to private schools or because they can afford to buy private Medicare that they do that. Here's how I view this. When I made the decision to send my son to a private school, which, by the way, he fought tooth and nail against, <laughs> right? We lived in a catchment area for Holyrood School where the amount of kids that want to get into Holyrood can never get in. Is that right? It's the biggest school, biggest school in Scotland. Oh, right, right here, just two, two minutes from the studio. I didn't right? know that. So what, the way I looked at it was, if I take my son out and I send him to St. Aloysius, I'm freeing up a space for a kid from Tory Glen or the Gorbals or Govan Hill that they can go take that place at Holyrood. And that's how I viewed that. And that's how I view the National Health Service. Right. I pay. So let's talk about me. Forget about anyone else. I pay all my national insurance. I pay all my money to get the use of the NHS. But I choose to pay private. And again, I think I'm freeing up a place here for someone who can use it. It's not as if you're paying for, and, and same as Richie Sunak or whoever it might be, if you want to take private Medicare and you can afford that, I think you're taking a bit of the burden off your NHS. That's not a snub to the NHS, but you're taking a bit of the burden off. No, so I think from, it's just this hot political football and it needs to be taken out of the political sphere because if we're saying we could never, ever, criticise or change the NHS, then that's wrong, Willie. It will die. It, it, it will die and patients will die. So the NHS does a wonderful job and I'm not getting at it, but I'm getting at politicians who say, we know best. Tom, we've said it before, right? The people who, when we talk about this fantastic, wonderful NHS, we can only use that phrase now we're actually talking about the people who work in the NHS, Yes. The system in the is broken. Yeah. Right? Nobody and can say you're getting a first-class service. You get first-class people trying their hardest who maybe not getting paid enough, right? So we yep. need to have a radical think about what we're going to do to get the NHS back on track. And I know you, you do talks about procurement because you understand procurement on a mega scale. And I, I mean, I would love if they got you in to help them along with this because it needs that sort of, everything's on the table to actually say, no, that cannot, it will never, ever be, be private in any shape or form. I don't think that does the customer any good. So on that point, Tom, I've spent all of this week speaking to people within the public sector who are in, in part of procurement. And on Monday, right. you'll love this, on Monday, I'm talking to an audience in London of 400 delegates from the NHS who are all part of the procurement process. So I'm hoping there to stir them up, to maybe give them ideas, to look at how other people procure in the private sector. But the one thing that has to be looked at as part of the solution for the NHS is how they procure. Brilliant. I think that is terrific. I'll let you know how I got on. Aye, good. So um, I want a big awe from you, Willie. And every listener this morning, Elon Musk has his personal fortune is down by a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. Oh, Willie, what's he gonna do? He's probably gonna have to cancel his private Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did say, Tom, last week, this will be the year where Elon Musk is proven to be a genius or flawed. Well, I think every genius is flawed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, more flawed than genius. It's a big welcome back to a great friend of the show, Stuart Patrick. 
Well, thank you very much. Good the morning. The head of the Chamber of Commerce in Glasgow. Thank you. Stuart, I always look forward to your update because you're always find some good news. Well, let's see if I can do it again today. Go good. On. Well, since my last visit, we've had an autumn statement, COP27, the Supreme Court's ruling on the Scottish Government's proposed independence referendum, and we still have the Scottish Government's budget plans to come in December. It has not been dull. We've also just had Glasgow's annual State of the City Economy Conference, the 24th. And while so much of the national economic news has been dire, the Chamber's concentrating on arguing for decisions that will help our city survive the recession we are already enduring. Through the British Chambers of Commerce, we've been majoring on three issues with the UK government. One, making sure the support for the energy bills for vulnerable sectors is of a meaningful scale. The most recent British Chambers survey showed that almost half of businesses will find it difficult to pay their energy invoices after the end of the energy bill relief scheme in March next year. Two, pressing for more flexibility for companies to tackle widespread labour shortages by allowing more high-skilled workers in from overseas. That can only be a temporary and partial measure, though we have to do much more to help our own citizens into the job opportunities our members cannot fill. Our companies would always rather find the talent at home. And finally, arguing for retaining government capital investment in the transport, energy and research projects that will help us become more productive. Glasgow Chamber has a hit list of 10 projects that we believe will help Glasgow's economy grow. Some are making progress, and many were discussed at the State of the City Economy Conference. I've been commenting frequently on the recovery of the city centre, and the latest data shows that footfall is back to 84% of pre-pandemic activity. Weekday data is below average at 75%, while nighttime and weekend performance is well ahead of pre-pandemic levels. People have been coming back for leisure more quickly than for work. Businesses are making their own decisions about hybrid working, and while we think we need to see how the trends settle after a full year free of restrictions, study work for the City Centre Task Force suggests we will need to take some proactive steps to fill all those empty shop units and upper-storey offices. Councillor Aiken has thrown the weight of the City Council behind this, announcing that the Council's repurposing action plan will be ready by early next year. We're also engaging with a Council review of taxi provision. We know that the drop in the number of taxi drivers has been a major problem. Another important initiative is an expert review to set out ideas and policy changes for the future of the former Golden Z. Socky Hall Street especially needs help. The City Council has worked with the Chamber to agree the brief and again we expect the results in the first half of next year. The private sector is already setting out its own contribution. Landsex well through its consultation processes for the future of Buchanan Galleries and so too is Sovereign Centros for St Enoch Centre. Well over a billion pounds worth of investment is at stake. Bruntwood SciTech is also progressing the planning for its £60 million digital technology hub in the Met Tower next to George Square. The Chamber vigorously supports the city's three innovation districts building new industries from universities' research strengths. And the UK government's Innovation Accelerator partnership is pumping £33 million into those districts. And at least the same is already pledged by private companies. The projects involved are going through selection right now. More good news came with the award to BAE Systems of the next five Type 26 frigates for the Royal Navy. That means £4.9 billion worth of contracts on the Clyde, taking the Government Scotson Yards order book well into the 2030s and guaranteeing the company's intent to build a £100 million shipping haul over the Govan Wet Basin. We're also waiting for announcements from the Scottish Government on their intentions for the Clyde Metro project as the review of uh, strategic transport projects comes to a close. And from the UK and Scottish governments on which regions are getting green free ports. And we supported the decision Susan Aiken made to go to Egypt and COP27. Glasgow has set out its green print for investment, which includes the Clyde Metro, the net zero plans for the innovation districts, and for the next phase of the Scottish Events Campus. The green print's price tag is enormous, at £33 billion. Councillor Aiken knows that with both central and local government budgets under pressure, that money has to come mostly from the private sector. Taking a Glasgow team out to COP helps to expand the city's connections with many of the investor institutions that could be involved. Wow, Stuart. I would have to say it's a bit of a mixed bag. 
I was saying the good news, tell, Willie, come you, on. No, no, not as, but let me tell you the reality, right? So the reason why I don't go to the city, the state of the city conference anymore is we never ever talk about the issues. It's always good news. Here's what we're going to do. There's always a plan around the corner. But in reality, here's what happened to me last Wednesday night. For the first time in a long time, I went out for a couple of beers with Michael McDonald, right? And we went into Glasgow. I loved him in the Doobie right, Brothers. Right, okay. <laughs> we went into a, a fantastic place in Buchanan Street called Wonder Bar, right? And Wednesday night, quite good. A lot of students, 60 people, young guy playing the guitar, vibrant, great. But we realised after 10 minutes, we were a wee bit old for that, right? <laughs> we, we, we'd probably brought the average age drop by about 50 years between the two of us in the place. <laughs> so what we decided to do is, and I'm not going to mention the places because it wouldn't be fair, right? But within walking distance, we went to three well-established restaurants and bars in Glasgow, right? First place we walked into, half past 10, sorry, we're closed. We walked round to St. Vincent Street, went to go to another place, sorry, we're closed. 10.30, nobody in the place. Went to the place next door, sorry, we're closed. We finally went across uh, to, um, it's called Ralph and Finney's, right? Nice, lovely new place, spent a lot of money, it looks magic. Went in, there was four ladies sitting at a table having a drink, and we walked up to the bar and the guy says, last orders. So this was a real eye-opener for me, right? This is the heart of the town. This is a place where people have spent a lot of money building loads of places, and I couldn't believe on a Wednesday evening at the back of 10, everywhere was shut. And I think that is a trend, and it's partially uh, the whole thing about eating and going out earlier. You start at six o'clock and yeah. you, you, you stop earlier. Yeah. Partly that's down to uncertainties about transport networks. Yeah. You don't know what trains you can get, and the yeah. trains at night are much less regular. Yeah. So, so that is an issue right. for us So to result. be fair, and I know that's a case with my own place in, in Burnside, so is, what you're saying is if I'd have been earlier, the places might have been open and, and there'd be a good few people in them. I do think that if we're going to get... Uh, the city centre fully back to life, uh, that we we still need to get more people back to work because that's still going to be the heart of the public transport system. Yeah. If we're going to get the nighttime economy to stretch the full hours that you're talking about and the full range of the week, yeah. then we need that confidence in the public transport system. When is the government actually going to say to folk, do you know, it is actually relatively safe to come out now? You can get yeah. back to life. And could you get back to the office? Could we have mm. the public sector coming back a bit more mm. to their uh, workplace? Yeah. A lot of people are beginning to learn that actually not having people in the office has real impacts on your business. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I think that it lasted so long, sure, that now trying to get people to change their mindset, and I can talk my own experiences here, is very, very difficult. Very I'm saying difficult. We, we give it a year to yeah. see how the whole, see, let's see how winter goes, mm. uh, let's see how it goes with unemployment yeah. increase. Oh no, that's that, that'll change everything. That will change everything, right? Once the, you know, the real austerity kicks in, and unfortunately, you know, there'll be more and more people unemployed. That will certainly change the rules. I think the most surprising thing about that story was Willie was buying somebody a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it free. The gentleman who owned the place gave us a free oh. beer. <laughs> That's so, so if there's anybody out there listening, any establishments in the town that want to give free beer for me and Michael McDonald. <laughs> Coming next at Hunter and Hockey, chat to Andrew Dobby, a creative entrepreneur and CEO of Made Brave. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish procurement framework for managed print solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Andrew Dobby, a creative entrepreneur and CEO of Made Brave, a strategic branding agency based in Glasgow, Edinburgh and London. Andrew, good morning and welcome to the show. Morning, thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you here. Andrew, it's a wee, wee while since we've met and I was reading the brief and I'm delighted that the listeners are going to hear your story. Once again, Wally's making people famous on the Go Radio Business Show. Yeah, the last few weeks now, we're introducing new guests. Now, it is really becoming the segment called The Greatest Story Never Told. So we're absolutely 
thrilled that you're here and we can't wait to hear the story. Would you like to tell the listeners a bit about yourself and a bit about your journey in business? Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, no, thanks for having me. So, um, yeah, I, I started out my career, I was a graphic designer um, and leaving university in Paisley, um, I got a job working for ex-Celtic and Scotland football captain Paul McStay. Um, Maestro. <laughs> the maestro, as he is very well known. Um, yeah, and um, I worked with Paul for eight years in his company. And um, back in 2011, um, my wife became pregnant with her son, um, Finn. And, you know, often when these things happen in your life, they're a trigger for something else um, or a yep. driver for something. And I suddenly realized that I, my wife was not going to be working and I needed a little bit more money. So I had literally just over a thousand pounds in my bank, my, my last wage at the time. And my son was two weeks old. And I thought, what a great time to leave your job and start a business. <laughs> Little did I know. Right, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I left my job at that time. Um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I set off just to be a freelancer. I'd, I'd never really known anyone previously in my life that had run a business. I, um, and I, I just set off to do freelance design. I also did a little bit of baby photography at the time because I was going to be around new children. Um, right. <laughs> and I also did wedding photography. And um, I suppose in that first year, I waited to see what started to rise to the top. Um, and I realized very quickly, I quite enjoyed the business side and or sort of marrying up the business side with the creative skills that I already had. And was there anything in your past that would direct you to business or... Was well, it... actually, I think while I was a student, I'd worked in Carphone Warehouse as a salesperson. Right, okay. And... You know, little Charlie did Dunstan? I realize that those skills sort of came in handy because you, you learned how to speak to people, you learned how to sort of find, I suppose, product market fit with a, yeah. you know, perfect person. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I realized quite quickly I enjoyed the business side. And within a few months, um, I got so busy that I had, uh, I had to employ the first person in the team. Wow. And um, I think at that time, I, you know, it's quite overwhelming when you start your business and, and you often, how, how do you make that first hire? And Basically, I was in a room with a designer and we were, we were all sharing. And I, I used to pretend that these were my employees. So <laughs> we were all freelance, but people used to come into the room and I'd say, oh, meet the team. And uh, they would do the same to me. But um, very quickly, I got so busy that I realized I need to employ someone. So I spoke to the guy sitting across from me who was a much more talented designer than I ever was. I now, I now realize I was an average designer. And um, he was going to leave the sort of design industry. He was fed up with chasing invoices and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, why don't you work for me? And he said, well, Andrew, I've got a family. Um, I need about, you know, I need a salary of about £30,000. And I was like, oh, God, I don't, I don't have £30,000. <laughs> but I realized I had, I'd squirreled away about seven or £8,000 at the time. And I realized that, well, a £30,000 salary is about two and a half grand a month. And so my risk, if you have someone on a probationary period, is about seven and a half grand, three months. And so, so that I, was your thought process. That was my thought process. Wow. And it, it stopped me thinking about the 30,000 and put the risk factor at seven and a half. And I thought, well, I've got that and I'll, I'm sure I'll make more wow. in the three months. Right. And so I hired him. And by what the year end, is this? What year is this? This is 2000. Well, I left my job in 2011, so this is 2012. Okay, the, right. the company was formed, um, and basically, I just followed that pattern. And by the end of the year, I had six full-time employees wow. in the company. So, what were you delivering, and who were the customers, Andrew? How did you get that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I was basically, obviously, being a graphic designer, I had a degree in multimedia systems. So, I'm I'm 41 now. I was kind of one of the kids i was when i was about 18 19 that was when the internet was kind of forming itself finding itself so i was building websites i was doing graphic design i was self-taught photographer i was doing a little bit of all of these things but right. as um we, we basically concentrated a lot on growing our own brand now a lot of agencies you know of course you've got to have great work but i i sort of noticed that a lot of agencies didn't seem to grow their own brand or make their own advertising so i put a real focus on turning made brave into a brand right and it was kind of also so that i could learn every part of what makes a great brand including culture including all the policies you make uh, and i wanted to understand every touch point and what that did for us is it grew a huge following. So then all the brands started to ask us, well, can you do that following for us? So we had brands like IBM coming and asking, wow. can you help us with the strategy? And I was like, you're IBM. Surely <laughs> you can help me with the strategy. But um, so so very quickly, the, the clients started to get bigger. Um, and then 
I follow, I continue to follow the same pattern of employing someone um, and sort of finding that space and moving on to the next person. By the end of the year two, we had 16 people in the team. Wow. And I was, you know, of course, and, you know, having known nothing about business, you're learning everything. What does VAT mean? You know, I remember looking at a balance sheet and thinking, oh, this is my turnover. And then someone said, you do know VAT isn't yours. <laughs> All right. Um, but I think, you know, often you can get put off starting a business because you you can be intimidated by, by all these things. But I think what I found was that, especially in Scotland, that very much the business community starts to help you. And, and so suddenly... you got a bit of help from this... this we talk about an ecosystem, yeah. but I just think it's a Scottish trait to absolutely. give somebody a wee hand up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, f I found that as soon as I, you know, as I said, from a childhood, I didn't know entrepreneurs. I, I wasn't brought up in that environment. Um, but as soon as I started to ask for help, I realised there was a great ecosystem in Scotland. Um, I then um, entered the Scottish Edge competition a way Brilliant. back in 2012, right. I think. How did you get on? I got to the final. Okay. And then I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't oh, win in the final. I was a chairman that year. I'm, I never I'm, I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was actually even though I didn't win in the process, getting to the final was a real great point in my career because it actually. It gave me it gave me a lesson to learn how to pitch my business. Right. So having to learn how to stand on stage, how to present yourself, and how to speak about your business um, eloquently and kind of um, that process was really invaluable to me because it started me off and gave me the confidence to go out and do public talking. Right. And then that set off how we started to bring on a lot of the customers. So. Uh, in those early years as well, I would do, I would be doing five six talks a week in okay. public and. The week after and the week after, there'd be hundreds of inbound inquiries. And then, you know... So that was your marketing? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Part of it. Anyway, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it was very much, you know, I found it beneficial in a few ways because it would bring customers to the business. It would also bring people um, that believed in the sort of same things as I did and they would become employees or people in the company. But it also sh helped me shape my point of view. Uh -huh. about um, the things I was saying um, and the ways that I was implementing policies and things in the business. And so I used it as a place to just give out value. So I would give everything away. And, you know, often I see sometimes new start entrepreneurs, they're scared to give everything away because they yeah. think people are going to come and steal it. But I realized that it's actually very difficult because, you know, you're your own sort of authentic self. You get the IP. Yeah. Exactly. And no one's going to quite do it the exact same way as you did. Yeah. So I just kept on giving away and it kept on coming back um, yeah. and sort of bucket loads. Yeah. That's a right. big nugget. We're always looking for nuggets <laughs> on the show, Andrew, for the listeners out there who are trying to start and grow their businesses. So I think that's a really powerful yeah. message, Willie. Yeah. And it's great that obviously, you know, that you're also you know, proclaiming that the help that was there, you know, although you didn't get money from the edge, it was somewhere to go. You yeah. met people there, you networked there, and it, and it helped you. But it's interesting that, you know, how you're saying about that these big companies who don't work in their own brand. I think yeah. one, of, one of the big, big successes of, of one of the, the greatest at this, Martin Sorrell with WPB, yeah, yeah. who's out there to help, you know, you know, present his clients. Yeah but managed to get more stories about him and his company uh -huh. than he made to his clients. Yeah. You know, so there's a bit of an art in that. So I, I don't know if you had that in mind when you done that. But so tell us a wee bit more about the journey now, how the business grew. Yeah, so, um, you know, since then, we've kind of, um, we're now up about 60 people in the team. Wow, 60 people? 60, yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. I've got one grey hair for <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, every, every person that's joined. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're up at that size. And we've, I suppose I've always tried to, I was always passionate about, um, I didn't want to be a Scottish company in Scot just in Scotland, only looking in Scotland. I was always, right. um, quite early on with Made Brave, I got the opportunity to travel um, to Silicon Valley and to New York and these places. And I visited companies like Twitter and Google and Pixar and all these places. And everywhere I went, I noticed I got to meet people on the boards and there was always someone that was Scottish. <laughs> and I was like, we get everywhere in Scotland. Um, and when I met all the other people, the successful people in the world, I realized, there's absolutely no difference with them than there is for the people in my in my building and um, all of my peers, and so it gave me ambition to, as I say, just to to put, pop my head up a little bit and go. The world is quite small. Um, 
why can we not be competing with the best of the best agencies in the world? And so over the last 10 years, my progression has been, I worked with lots of sort of micro brands at the beginning, but slowly but surely, um, I went, I think I remember one year we had about 100 customers. I was like, that's too many customers. We tried to cut it down the year after we had 109. And, uh, but we've now sort of trimmed that down to about 15 customers, which is much better size for an agency, but they're all global brands. Wow. And I like myself. Same, same. I've got about 15 customers. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think at first you feel like you should be doing everything for everyone, but I started to focus around, and I noticed that the world was um, understanding the power of brand and how powerful that was in the world. So I really sort of focused our niche around brand. And every time someone mentioned the word brand, I wanted them to think made brave. But as I say, I tried to, and I've tried to inspire the team that we, we don't just need to think about the sort of four walls of Scotland. That I've always believed that with Scotland being small, that we have a huge opportunity here that when you're small, you can very, if you're successful, you can very quickly get to the top table and, and, and meet very influential people. And because you get there very quickly, those influential people know the influential people in London. They know the influential people in New York. And so very quickly, you can spread around the globe it's with big clients. Yeah. Right. And if you imagine trying to do that in America, the size and scale of America, you've got a much bigger challenge to get to that top table. So, yeah, now we work with some of the biggest yeah. brands in the world and um, we've spread across the sort of length and breadth yeah. of the UK with offices now in Glasgow, Edinburgh and London. Um, and, yeah, it's been it's been quite so, a journey. So let me, let me just add to that. So we send out invoices per annum probably totaling 1.4, 1.5 billion a year and we don't send one invoice to anybody in Scotland. Wow. <laughs> right. So not a penny of our turnover comes from Scotland. We're, we're just slightly under that turnover, just just a tiny bit, <laughs> yeah. just a... <laughs> yeah, but just it's, it's the same principle, yeah. right? I love that line you said earlier. No, you said you, you'd sixteen people, you know, and you used to pretend they all work for you. <laughs> I've got thousands. I wish I pretended work for somebody else. <laughs> so, was there any period in in the last ten years where there was a quantum where you, you know you'd rapid expansion? Yeah, I think we, we we made our first acquisition in 2018 and that, uh, I learned a lot um, via that process. Um, so I, I think at different points there, there, there's been there's been moments when I think when you, you very rapidly scale and then you go, oh my God, how do I now deal with that that growth? And there's usually a plateau stage. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the, the more that I've been in business, I start to feel a little bit calmer when things get, um, I suppose, more out of control, if you yeah. like. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's been many stages where it's um, kind of, jumped up right. quite significantly but also you know it, i think it's fair to say as well and it's good for people who are starting out is it's not always rosy i think you can often look on instagram you can look on linkedin and you can see you know successful entrepreneurs but often there's a lot of um you know sort of um challenges that go on behind the scenes and it's yeah. important to let people know that these happen because it can it can often be quite a lonely journey as an entrepreneur as well we could do 10 weeks of our failures. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Andrew, you're, you're obviously a thinker and you've thought about business, even though business wasn't naturally in your background and you, you've talked about the help of Edge. And I, I was very pleased you talked about Edge because one of the things I keep telling everybody at Edge is we never say no, we just say not yet. And hopefully you get some interesting feedback to say, here's where you can work on and come back to us did you ever go back i didn't go back you didn't go actually. back you, you i was too distracted building the rest of yeah. made brave actually yeah, at the but, time but I, i've been back as a judge so I've the been journey back helped yeah absolutely absolutely so you're you're sitting in scotland you've now got a global business yep. which I, again is another great nugget for um the listeners you're saying use scotland's size as a strength absolutely use scotland's diaspora and its reputation as, as mm -hmm. a strength and its reputation and, brand, yeah. and yeah. wherever we go in the world in in business or even just on holiday the first thing oh you're from scotland and it's a positive welcome you get yeah, yeah. such a positive welcome exactly. so if you were if you could speak to the policy makers in scotland today about business you'd a magic wand mm -hmm. the made brave wand what would you be saying to help other businesses start and grow um I think I think it's just uh, part of it is giving people confidence that there's a world outside and maybe helping the support of that, you know. But I do feel there's actually quite a good infrastructure in terms of that. I've had yep. so many opportunities to to travel on trade missions, yep. and 
I've always just said yes, no matter where it is. And often, you know, you're I was recently in Miami, New York, um, New Haven, and um, and over in the States. And, I, you know, I was asked to go on a trade mission. And I just thought, yep, I'll go over. Even if I didn't know if I was or I would. But yeah. I think if you, if you don't put yourself into these situations, you, you'll never know. The other great thing I've heard you say is... Um, you as the leader of your business, the entrepreneurial leader, you're getting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't want to talk about the company, but there's a great story about somebody heard you speak and then a little time later, yeah, yeah. Tell so, the listeners that story. Yeah, no, so I've, I've got tons of these stories, actually. It's like, <laughs> I think, you know, personal branding in today's world is really, really important. And um, so I've always kind of tried to be a big advocate for that and put, put, put myself out. And it's not a very Scottish thing. You're not allowed to no, talk I about know, yourself in Scotland. No. People don't like that, but <laughs> I'm changing that. I'm trying to Good. change that anyway. Good. I think, you know, we, we've got great businesses. We've got great people here. And so I, I've always been quite loud about talking about that and trying to sort of um, amplify the voices of, of entrepreneurship in Scotland. And, you know, so as I mentioned earlier, a big part of growing my business was getting out and talking to people. And I, I actually had a goal when I started my business. I said, I'm going to talk to every single person in Scotland. I'm going to let them hear the name Made Brave. <laughs> right. So that if someone thinks of an advertising campaign, they're going to say, oh, I saw a guy on stage and he had, a, you know, an interesting story. And that was one of my goals. So that's, that's what set me off to do so many talks. But you often don't know the impact of these things for many years later and especially in a service-based business the, the sort of it's a quite a long tail in terms of right. how you bring on a new customer and I, um, I was in the pandemic there and um, I think for us all the pandemic brought many different challenges Indeed. Um, you know I do a lot of film production in my business and you can imagine all film production was suddenly ceased which right. gave me a couple of new grey hairs that I didn't have um, but out of the blue a client landed um, in my inbox uh, we'd love to have a chat about doing a campaign and um, oh, great fantastic perfect timing actually um, and I said where 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 did um, you, how did you come across Made Brave where did you hear of us and they said I, I heard you talk seven years ago seven years seven years wow. and your story stuck in my mind and I've changed I've changed you know roles companies but I've always looked for a place to bring Made Brave into our company and now is the perfect time and I thought, wow, that's that makes me um, appreciate and and gives me more um, motivation to go out and do more talks and keep doing the personal brand thing because the the opportunities just come from it are unbelievable. So it it just shows, well, you know, you never know as a leader of the business. You go out, you think, oh, can't be bothered with this tonight. There's another mm -hmm. talk. If you get yourself out there because yep. you then took a lead, you won multi million pound contract, and it's. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a great absolutely. story. Yeah. And what about, what, where are you based now? Tell our listeners a wee bit about where you're, where you're based. So we're in the east end of Glasgow. We're yeah. out in Bridgeton. Really? Yeah, yeah. so we, we moved into one of the buildings that was built um, and funded by the Commonwealth Games. All right. Um, and at the time when I moved out there, everyone said, why are you moving to the east end of Glasgow? And they said, uh, all the big businesses are in the centre of Glasgow. And I said, yeah. well, I kind of thought of it slightly different from everyone. I thought, well, I think when you're in position to do so, you should kind of try and help your city. So I thought if I move out to the east, um, it helps regenerate the east end of Glasgow. Second of all, the space was fantastic because it was a brand new building and it looked like the vision I had for Made Brave. So I got the space that I wanted. Um, the landlord then incentivized me to come out. So wow. monetary wise, it helped our business. Um, and then, um, you know, by by moving out there, um, it created a story. And I'm always a big believer that every everything you do in your business, look at what is the opportunity to create a story out of this. Mm. Everyone has blogs and social media feeds, and they've all got the same challenge. They set up every morning, what do I write today? What do I put in my post? And if they're not writing about your business or you and your story, they're writing about someone else's. So it suddenly became a story. Andrew's moved, made Brave out to the east end of Glasgow. So yeah. we had all the press coverage, all the PR, um, and it gave us the space that we wanted. So that that became the home, the kind of gang hut, the headquarters yeah. for Made Brave. We've where, since, where exactly is it? We're on London Road. Um, yeah. it's, um, Was that Brooks part Street. of uh, Clyde Gateway? Clyde Gateway, yeah. Uh -huh, so, yeah. I mean, Tom, this is, a, this is a great success story. I mean, Clyde Gateway have regenerated the east end in, right. in some of the most deprived areas. And what I've been more impressed, Ian Manson and the team here have done a yep. wonderful job. I mean, I've been you know, known them for many, many years since they started. But working and, and driving through the East End of Glasgow every day, you know, day, mm -hmm. you know going, going to work in the morning, coming home at night, what I'm impressed with is when they went in to regenerate it in relation to new houses, telling old houses, 
But what they've done for business has been amazing. Yeah. You know, they've put as many new buildings, obviously, the, the mm -hmm. police headquarters is there. Yeah. They've got the Red Tree building yeah. in Shawfield, where my place used to be. So driving through the East End, I've been more than impressed over the 10 years. So again, back Great. to Scottish Enterprise, back to Clyde Gateway. There is people out there trying to help people, Andrew. Yeah. Try to help people like me. Yep. So we, we need more of that. Definitely. Absolutely. And um, so... Where do you go from here? <laughs> more, more talks? <laughs> or are you talked out? <laughs> I could do with a rest after the pandemic, you know. I feel like we've fallen out of the trench of the pandemic. We're now in the recession trench. So I know. <laughs> Everybody thought, thank goodness the pandemic's gone back to normal and then we get hit with a recession. But uh -huh. anyway. Andrew, is there any one initiative, you know, any one idea you come up with for a big, big client you're really proud of? You know, that you say, here's how to brand this product or whatever. Is there one catchy thing that sticks in your mind that wow this was a game changer yeah um so we, we do all the marketing for first bus for the whole of scotland and um a few years ago they asked us to create a campaign to tell glasgow about um that they had eco-friendly buses their electric buses were launching and it was a great brief actually because it's one of those briefs where you could just go and put billboard ads up and you know new buses are here as such but we thought slightly differently at the time and I said to them remember when you were young and you got like a Hot Wheels car or a little toy bus and um, we put these toy buses on the table and I said remember this, this the, the feeling of that the nostalgia of a toy bus I said let me build a full one-to-one -one replica of a toy bus in George Square <laughs> and they said yes so we built an actual full size uh, we put a double decker bus in a giant Hot Wheels kind of um, rapper in the middle wow. of George Square. <laughs> and the great thing about that was it brought the whole of Glasgow down to see that bus. It was a you know centre point. But more importantly, um, it, that, that kind of created the PR for us, but it gave the drivers, it gave the people in first bus something to be proud of. And so the bus drivers were pointing, have you seen our, have you seen our um, bus? Um, and, you know, and, and I, I think every great campaign, we always talk about branding from the inside out at Made Brave that, you know, I'm really interested in when you create a great creative solution for a company is that you get the whole team, the whole company galvanized behind it because you get a much bigger swell. And I think I'm really proud of that First Bus one. Um, I think First Bus have got a great brand and they've really evolved over the years. And um, yeah, that's, that's one that sticks in my mind. Andrew, fascinating. I'm sure our listeners have loved the story this morning. want to thank you so much and we want to wish you all the best going forward. Perfect. Thanks so much yeah, for having me. And it's great to catch up again after a few years, yeah. Andrew, here. The brilliant success story. So Scotland needs a hundred more like you. I love the ambition. Made brave. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Coming next on Hunter and Hockey, the board you can't afford. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, providing secure archive storage to your business. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Tom, good morning. Good morning. It's Willie here, and Thomas is here also. Hello, Tom. What a brilliant first name. Tell me, why tell us a wee bit about uh, Transport Services Europe and then your question. Yeah, certainly. So um, we specialise in full container haulage from port to door and full trailer haulage across the UK and Europe. Um, so we're in our seventh year now, um, and we've grown 100% year on year for five of the last six years. Fantastic um, growth. Including doubling last Pretty year. Where are you based, Tom? Um, so we're, um, we're uh, my office is based in the Glasgow Collective across the road from the Barrowlands. Yeah, all right. Yeah, um, and we've got a an office down in Kent as well. Right, brilliant, brilliant. Good. So, what's your question, Tom? Um, so basically, I've been working on, as everyone seems to be, trying to create a plan for the <laughs> next few years ahead. Um, I think you referred to the ever changing landscape in the last few episodes. So my difficulty I think that I think you guys can help with would be how do each of you make sure that you were working on the right things each day to achieve the ultimate goal for the business and not just whatever lands in your desk or is new and exciting that week 
as a brilliant question. <laughs> you first, <Paul. laughs> Um I tell you, you've got to work at it hard, right? And and the way things are moving and changing so fast and fluid that you do have to have a serious think about whatever you're looking at in front of you. Is this the best thing that I can be spending my time on? And I've got to say to you, I have looked at this more in the last 18 months than I've did in the last 37 years <laughs> because I did realise there was only X amount of hours in the week and there was a lot of stuff. One day I just got my diary out and I looked at six of the appointments that I had and I've got to be honest with you, half of them are vanity projects on my behalf, which, which I shouldn't have been wasting my time on during the week. So it's, it's a really good question. But I think what you have to do is, is right away when you're looking at something what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the business? And is this worth spending time on? Um, morning, Tom. I, I think this is a brilliant question and it's all about being the leader of the business and how you spend your time. And as Willie says, there's only so many hours in the week. Um, probably a lot of the leaders listening this morning, they, you can't work any longer, but you've got to work a bit smarter. And one thing I, I used to do at the end of every week was when I had a paper diary, I used to look at it and say, how have I spent my time? Because the hours flew past and I used to think, right, that wasn't very productive. Billy, what Willie said there, um, I need to spend more time on the people side of the business and I understand where the strategy is going, but I need to do this. And just questioning yourself and having good people run about you make sure they're inputting into the strategy of the business as it gets bigger because they'll know more about what's going on in the ground than you. If your business is growing 100% every year, that's fantastic. But bringing your team along with you, having the right people in the right places who are willing to challenge you and look at your time management because an hour spent today, you're not going to get back. And, and I would say, Tom, that you know definitely dig out the big items the things that make a difference and again is delegate some of the other things that you think that some of the, the exec team could be doing rather than you I don't want to say waste but spending time on them no. what do you no. think Tom? I think I'm going to sit down and assess what I've done in the past week yep. <laughs> that's a good point get your diary um, out uh, three weeks three weeks ago my secretary told me that we should back through my diary there was only 7% of the things I'd done the week before had anything to do with my business. 7%. <laughs> so I'm definitely the right person to ask this question of. <laughs> I didn't really think of it that way. I always looked forward, whereas I think looking back, I'll probably find... Aye, that's a great idea, actually. I think looking back the way is probably going to give me more information than looking forward. But I think that and speaking to the team on their... Um, what they feel is the direction we should be taking. Yeah, um, get them in, but listen. them to hold me accountable as well. If, if you're growing at 100% per annum, you're not doing too many things wrong, <laughs> Tom. So good on you. Thanks. Keep in touch with the show. Uh, Keep on listening. Let us know how Transport Services Europe are doing and good luck to you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for calling. Bye. Listen to Hunter and Hockey anywhere, anytime, whenever you get your podcasts. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go.